If you've uh, been coming along, you'll know uh, we've been doing this a lot uh, as we're looking at whole life discipleship called uh, What Are You Doing This Time Tomorrow? And uh, Kat should have been on last week, but we ended up with her sister, which was maybe better, but, um, <laughs> but no, sorry. And uh, it's really good to, to welcome Kat this morning. And uh, so what are you going to be doing this time tomorrow? Well, I, um, I'm very competitive, so hopefully I will be better than my sister. <laughs> but um, before I say what I'm going to do tomorrow, I think it'd be helpful just to explain a wee bit of, of who I am. But first and foremost, and it'll make sense in a second, um, I much prefer to be the one doing the interviewing than being interviewed. <laughs> and I won't uh, hold on to my right uh, to remain silent. But for those of you who don't know, I am a police officer. I've been in policing for 34 years. I started when I was six. Uh, <laughs> dean. Um, and I am currently a divisional commander responsible for delivering policing in the Lothian and Scottish borders. So I cover a vast area of over 2,500 uh, square miles, got over 1,000 police officers and staff and volunteers responsible for four local authority areas, hugely um, challenging, and um, Heather already mentioned it in terms of what we face around reducing uh, resources but increasing complexity of demand. So this time tomorrow, what I would normally be doing at this time on a Monday is sitting, um, having finished my morning meeting with my command team uh, and really reviewing all the things that have happened over the weekend, uh, deciding on our priorities for the week and where we perhaps need to add more support both to our staff and to partners and to vulnerable people across our communities. So, that's what I'll be doing this time tomorrow. Okay, so, so obviously quite a responsible job. Must be hard to find things to do. And, uh, yeah. But, but as, as a Christian in that environment, what, what do you find the challenges are? I mean, what are the challenges in that, just of the job, but also in terms of your faith? What, challenging is a, challenges is a great word because it used to be you would occasionally encounter challenges. I never go through an hour without somebody mentioning that word challenge. And in actual fact, I suppose for me, there are massive challenges. You know, strategically, we do face um, reducing demand. We do face complexity of a challenge. You heard from my sister last week, the, the reality of mental health. Less than 20% of what our officers deal with results in a crime report. So we're dealing much more with the complexity of people in crisis, however great or small. And that is challenging. But I suppose for me, my focus is on within every challenge and every crisis, however big or small, there is opportunity. There is opportunity to draw alongside people in need and to encourage and empower and equip them and to remind them of their value. And that includes the people that I work with and also the people um, out uh, in our communities. And so for me, as a, as a Christian, I have the greatest opportunity to encounter people at their moment of need. And I have the greatest opportunity to simply care and love. You know, my sister said last week, because I did watch her, obviously, just to make sure that she was <laughs> up, to, up to speed. Um, she did say that her measure was to ask, what would Jesus do? And Jesus, for me, in policing, although it seems to be such a 
kind of secular role in many respects. You know, I look at Jesus as my example, and Jesus drew, he had a life-saving mission, of course, to conquer and overcome the cross. But he did that and transformed lives along the way because he was meeting people in their need. He surrounded himself with the broken, with the hurt, with the marginalized, and he had a conversation with them. And the difference was how he made people feel. So for me, the challenge is in the midst of all of the complexity, in the midst of all of the things that my organization want me to do, how do I use my time? Do I use my time to have conversations with people in need? And that's a challenge, but it's the one thing that is my foundation that, that is a non-negotiable in terms of I make sure I make time for the people that I work with to encourage them and to support them and to help them to feel valued. Okay. I, I, I mean, I know that you could probably walk away from the job 34 years in policing. It's quite good for your pension. With a pension. Uh, yeah, and, uh, but, but, but I know you've chosen to stay in this job. Mm. Obviously a really tough job, mm. lousy resources, mm -hmm. no thanks from anybody, struggling in terms of all the, the realities of contemporary policing, and yet you choose to stay mm -hmm. there. So mm. what I want to ask is why do you do that? Why don't you just walk? Because I fundamentally believe that God has called me to be in policing. I, I, as you heard, at 16, I went into policing because I had witnessed growing up in a home where my parents had been missionaries. They'd been missionaries in Congo and Africa and Bible club, children's uh, missionaries. But it wasn't that they transformed and solved, you know, the medical crisis in Congo or the famine that, you know, that country was experiencing. They made a difference because they were willing to actively care for the people that they encountered and they transformed lives as a result of that. Policing gives me that opportunity to actively care for people. And I can't think of any job where you see more need, genuinely see more diverse challenge and crisis. And it gives me the most um, a constant opportunity to be able to demonstrate God's love and his care. You know, it's interesting because our, we've got a new chief constable, um, first female chief constable in Police Scotland, and her priorities are trust, confidence, and performance. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, for me, I continue to trust that God has me exactly where he wants me to be, to speak to the individuals, not, a, not the big complexity of what I lead, but the individuals that I encounter every day, the individuals that I will encounter tomorrow in my conversations. My confidence comes not from 34 years of policing and knowledge and training and experience, it comes from knowing who I am in him, because I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't because God had equipped me. And in terms of performance, I measure my performance around how I make people feel. How do they feel once they've encountered and had a conversation um, with me? I could leave policing, you know that. We've, we've had many conversations. Um, sometimes I've wished that God had called me from policing, <laughs> um, but he hasn't. And I love what I do. I love the fact that I have an opportunity and God has placed me right where he wants me to be. And I continue to focus on being able to have those conversations with people. And I will do that until um, he moves me into another another path in life but hopefully not for a while yet so great thanks so much Kat that's great <laughs> so that's kind of on theme in terms of what we're going to look at this morning Hebrews 10 so if you've got your Bibles can we turn there just as we do that 
got to mention a few things. The first thing, really important thing, is the choir rehearsal starts tomorrow night. So if you haven't signed up for the choir yet, it's a good opportunity to do that as we move towards our, our, our Christmas program. We, uh, then on Tuesday night, you can have a busy week this week. Tuesday night, we've got our AGM. And do come along and get updated about a lot of things that are going on in the life of the church uh, as we prepare for Christmas. And then uh, the following week, uh, we we're starting into Advent and our whole Christmas program. Kind of started yesterday. It was brilliant to see this church full of people from uh, outside and, and from the, the community. And, and people were kind of saying, oh, we've made the, this light switch on part of our routine now, our Christmas routine, and we come and we're part and, and, and folks coming along. And it was just great to see that. And, uh, of course, as Christians, our impact is not just when people come in, it's also when people go out. And, and part of our mission and calling as Christians is, is not just to come to church. People think that's what Christians do. But actually, the real part of our calling starts on Monday morning or when we leave this place and we go into our lives. And, and whether we're doing childcare or whether we're heading up a policing division or whether we're a teacher or a doctor or a student or a grandparent or a parent, whatever it is we're doing and where we have influence, that's where we work our, our Christianity. And, and the emphasis in this series has been to do that. And, and we see how this impacts the world around us. Can we go to the next slide? Uh, uh, the, the, the squares on the, the left-hand side, as you look at it, you'll see the gather together in a corner. And we're going to talk about how important that is. But in terms of influence, it doesn't make that much difference. The fact that this morning we gather in this church doesn't make a big difference to the majority of people in Stirling. But you see, when the week starts, then we leave this place and we're distributed into our communities. And, and if you look at the six dots distributed into that square, and then begin to look at all the dots they're connected to, suddenly you will see the influence that can be exercised by those individuals. And as a community of God's people, that's what we're called to do. We're called to bring that influence to bear in the world, in the world of work, in the world of family, in the world of our relationships. And then the way we do this is by that movement between coming together and then going out. And Hebrews chapter 10 explores this. It, it explores the fact that we have to help and grow together as we carry out our mission. There are many passages that we could have chosen to, to talk about uh, our relationships. And our, but Hebrews 10 is, is very vivid because it describes our relationship with God. It describes our relationship with our communities. And it describes our relationship with one another. And, and we see the, 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 the writer of the Hebrews kind of saying, guys, help one another to hold on to our faith. Our lives are lived in response to that which God has done for us through Christ. 
And, and we, uh, we'll see in a second how that imagery is worked out. And, and so what happens is we, we experience God, and God draws us together, and we encourage one another, and we remind one another about the story of the gospel, and, and, and we equip one another for our everyday lives. But then we go out. And, and, and part of the process of what we're about has to be that equipping to go out. One, one of the things I would love to see in terms of SBC, and, and I, I continue to tell myself this, that, that we are in a, a, a kind of new dawn, and it would be a mistake just to go back and do everything the way we used to do things. That actually there's opportunity to redefine and recreate. And one of the redefinition and recreations is actually how we perceive church. That we don't perceive church as a kind of self-sustaining entity that we come to just keep things running. We actually perceive church as the equipping center, the enabling center that is preparing us for whatever the week has. And, and so rather than church being an escape from our week, let's go and have two minutes or, or two hours of peace and quiet, hopefully. Um, it, it actually becomes a place of, yeah, this is renewing me so that I can go and bring that transforming presence. So the writer to the Hebrews says this. He says, draw near to God. And, and he, he uses the idea of uh, the, the temple. Now, I, I know that Old Testament reading was pretty interesting. But, and, and often when we have something like an Old Testament reading like that, and then we have a New Testament reading, I ask the question, what makes the difference? Because, because the Old Testament reading was all about exclusion. It's all about excluding people. You're not good enough. You're, you're not righteous enough. You're not perfect enough. And so you are excluded. You are not welcome. And then the New Testament reading is all about inclusion. It's actually about people having confidence before God and being brought before God. And, and the question is, what makes the difference? And for the writer to the Hebrews, it's actually what Jesus has done. He has created a way for us to have access to God. So, so the message of Christianity is that everyone can stand before God without being ashamed because Christ enables our forgiveness. A lot of people feel ashamed. Maybe we've made bad choices in our lives. Maybe there are things that we're not very proud of. Maybe we feel we've made errors that would make us totally unacceptable to God. But if you think like that, you don't understand what Christianity is about. Because the proclamation of the gospel is that Jesus died on a cross so that you can be released from your past and you can be forgiven. And, and, and the message of Christianity is that there is a new star and it is possible to know that new star. And it doesn't matter how your past has been. God accepts you and you can draw near with confidence. Yet the analogy that the writer to the Hebrews is using here isn't just about this idea of our own personal salvation. What he's saying is, that because of what Jesus has done in your life, you can act as a priest. And in the Old Testament, priests acted on behalf of the people. 
you, you may have heard the distinction between a prophet and a priest. It said that a prophet used to represent God to the people, but a priest represented the people to God. And, and, and what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is, because of what Jesus has done for you, because you now know his forgiveness, because you have received the gospel, you can now become priests. And by that, it's saying you come and you represent others before God. See, ultimately, Christianity is altruistic. And, 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 and we are called to be priests and to act on behalf of others. You know, Kat, she can act on behalf of the police officers that she oversees. Uh, a grandparent can act on behalf of their grandchildren. A parent can act on behalf of their child. A teacher can act on behalf of their pupils. A doctor on behalf of their patients. You see, we're called to be priests who act on behalf of others. And here's the question. Who are you called to act on behalf of? Because Christ has done something in your life. It doesn't become an attitude of, oh, well, I'm all right now. I'm forgiven. My life is great. <laughs> I've got a relationship with God. I can come to church, sing songs, feel happy. Great. That's not why the writer to the Hebrews says Christ has died and accepted you. He says he's accepted you so that you become a priest. And you're called to draw near to God to act on behalf of others. And you can be confident in that. And you can be unswerving in that. He, he, he talks about baptism. He says, you've been baptized or you've been washed. And, and what he's saying is that baptism isn't just about a personal commitment of your faith. We, we use a lot of water in our baptisms in this church. And, uh, and it's great when somebody goes under the water, we're declaring that their old life is dead. And when they come back up out of the water, we're declaring they have a new life in Christ. But we're doing more than that. We're not just talking about their own personal salvation or relationship with God. We're declaring that they have been commissioned into this world to go and act on behalf of Jesus in representing others. And every single one of you has been called in that way. In fact, if you were to become a priest in the ancient world, you went through the act of baptism. That's how you became a priest. And the act of baptism made you a priest. And if you've been baptized into the family of God's people, you are now a priest acting on behalf of others. And you can do that with confidence. And, and the Hebrew writer uses this lovely word, unswervingly, because of what Jesus has done. So who are the people that you're acting on behalf? And who are the people that you are drawing near to God? When we come to church, it, it really shouldn't just be about me. It doesn't mean that if you've got issues, you can't come to church and think about those issues. But when we come to church, and when we pray, and even when we sing, we should be thinking about others. We should be thinking about who are they are. Secondly then, the writer to the Hebrews says that we are to spur one another on. And, and he says, let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
And uh, this is a, it's an interesting word, the word spur. It means inciting or provoking. And, and it's kind of like, think about how you can provoke people to respond. Sometimes, I'm, I'm sure Kat never has this problem in the Lothians of Borders, but, but sometimes activists sit around and they think about how can we be provocative so that we get a response so people will go and glue themselves to the roads and things. I, I won't mention, no, I better not say that. Uh, just, just to say, one of, our, one of our members was kicked off Twitter because of what they suggested should happen to people that glue themselves to the roads. But, um, you can find out later who that is. Uh, but, 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 you know, some people think, how can I be provocative? I think some people took a chisel and smashed the windows of some banks this week and they got acquitted for it. Uh, but they, they thought that through. They thought, what can we do that's really provocative that's going to get a reaction? They've given consideration to it. And, and the writer to the Hebrews says, you know what? You need to spend some time thinking about how you provoke one another on to love and good deeds. You know, how do I inspire and encourage people to go out there and make a difference? And, and again, he, he, the, the reason the writer to the, the says this is because it is so easy to get weary in doing good. Oh, how many of us have, have tried to make a difference and maybe tried to make a difference in our family or tried to make a difference at work or, or, or tried to make a difference in, in the context of the organization that we're part of? And you know that difference just doesn't happen. Or, or the following month it all gets swept away and you kind of go, what's the point? Or, or you share your faith with someone and you think that they might be getting interested in church and then suddenly it all dissipates and it just disappears. And, and, and you can find yourself going, what is the point? You know, because life is hard, finding yourself wrestling with the problem of what is the point is a very common experience. You know, for a lot of people in work situations, the, the, the dealing with things that aren't actually your main occupation has become a, a massive preoccupation. Uh, I was talking to someone this week about one of our schools in town, and, and uh, they, they used to say that support needs for children in the school, you could number it really on two hands. Now, vast areas of the school are having to be dedicated specifically to help and support children that are struggling now. And, 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 and that's difficult because if you're a teacher, suddenly you're finding yourself doing something that's different from what you're principally called to do, which is teach. And, 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 and sometimes it's hard to see a difference being made. Sometimes actually the situations get worse. And, and you, again, if you're a Christian, you think, this is tough. If you've got a pension, it's always tempting to go and take it and walk away from it. And the writer to the Hebrews say, think about how you spur one another on. Where we encourage people to say, come on, keep going. You know, you can continue to make a difference. You can continue to be an influence. Spur one another on to make that difference. So we draw near to God and we spur one another on. And then thirdly, he says, let's keep meeting together. 
See, the, the, the vision that the writer to the Hebrews is trying to develop is a vision of church. And, and, and this vision of church is when you come into church and, and as we come together as community, we affirm the significance of where we are Monday through Saturday. And, and actually through coming together, we affirm the significance of that. As, as, as an individual, it's easy to think that church is all important and working in the church is all important. But actually, it should be the other way around. When you come to church, the message you should be getting is that what you do Monday through Saturday is all important. And what you're doing here is getting ready and encouraged to go and make that difference. See, as Christians, we're called to challenge and equip and encourage and love and commission one another for our lives in the front lines. You know, and, and, and that is a challenging place to be. I, um, I have the, the great fun of hanging out with my granddaughter yesterday that we brought her to the switch on of lights. And, um, but I'll tell you, if, you see, if you're raising a child, it's hard. It, it also reminds you how old you are. And, but you know, it, and, and I think it's even harder today than it was in the past. It's tough. I think I mentioned, my, my, I had a conversation with my daughter who said, I'm never going to say no to my son. I was like, oh, that's going to be an interesting child-rearing experience. <laughs> well, watch that space. It'll probably change next week. But, but you know, the, 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 the difficulty of trying to raise kids in our context is so hard. I, I mean, there are so many different distractions. There are so many expectations. There are so many pressures and demands. Pressures and demands in our relationships, which, which reflect then on our families. Being family is incredibly tough in a 21st century context. You know, Neil and Jim are going to get up and, and, and make some promises and, uh, about being family. And, and, and that's brilliant. But do you know what? It's tough. You know, it's not just a nice day that we have today. It's actually about serious life, doing something that is incredibly tough. How do you do that? How do you deal with being a parent when you just think, I don't know what to do here, and I can't cope with all the demands that have been placed on me? What do you do when you reach the end of your tether in a work context where the pressures and stresses are just insurmountable, where the resources just aren't present, where you feel like you're doing a half job because you just don't have the resourcing that you need to do an effective job? What do you do when you find yourself in a place where you're supporting a friend and you just don't know what to say or how to help them or how to make that difference or even be that influence and presence? That's when you come to church and you get together with other Christians and you say, you know what? I'm struggling here. This is tough. And people gather around you and go, you know what? We're struggling too. Or I struggled with that six months ago or five years ago. And, and you know, we're going to pray for you. And we can, maybe can't sort it, but we're going to stand together and we're going to pray for you. Maybe you come to a church service and, and you're at the point of thinking, I'm just going to, 
throw in the towel, I've had enough, and you maybe hear a sermon or you hear a reading or you sing a song, and suddenly you get reignited and you think, you know what, with God, I can go back and make a difference. You know what, I am called as a priest, and I do want to go and represent others and not just become self-centered and egocentric in everything that I do. I want to go out and be an effective parent or grandparent. I want to go out and be an effective employee. I want to go out and be an effective friend or colleague. I want to represent Jesus out there and the difference he's made in my life and the possibility of that difference for others in everywhere that I move, Monday through Saturday. I'm called to make that difference. But we need to meet together in order to do that. So don't give up the habit of meeting together as some are prone to do, but continue to draw near to God, continue to spur one another on, and encourage each other in our life together as a missional people living out our whole life discipleship in our everyday lives. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this community. We commend one another to you on our different front lines. Wherever we are, wherever we go, whoever we are, may the Holy Spirit guide us in all things so that we may do God's will in the world in the service of Jesus Christ and with great joy and love. Amen.